We all need people like that in our lives who are willing to look beyond our fault and see our need. Even if human beings have failed us, the Lord will never fail you in that way. No matter how devastating the sin, no matter how off course we've been, He knew it before we were created. He has His arms open wide. That's the heart of the father in the story of the prodigal son. No matter the failure of the son, he has his arms wide open. And Jesus explains that the father runs to his child. Following a personal mistake, can you rise above the guilt and shame? The answer is yes. And we're going to hear one amazing story of redemption today here on Hope for the Heart. It's a real-life example that no matter how devastating the failure, No matter how far off course we go, God has His arms open wide. He forgives us, He renews us, and He uses our failures for good. Now, just a reminder that this phone call is pre-recorded, so let's listen in on this inspiring conversation. Is this the Mark and Lisa that I've talked with before? Yep. Well, what a treat. (laughs) The first week we were on the air, it was a Friday, Mark, you called in, and unbeknownst to you, Lisa was listening, and Lisa called in. Is that not correct? Yeah, that's correct, and not only that, but Lisa never listens to talk radio. Mm. She just happened to turn the radio on at the moment I came on. Wow. And you were calling from a pay phone. Yeah, I was on a pay phone. My goodness. The Lord orchestrated that. He basically made that appointment. Well, give us an update. Well, the last time I spoke to you was last year. We had been separated for about four months. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark was living outside of the home. Lisa had gotten pregnant by another man. I had called you because I was working through the decision whether we should move back together right away, and plus I was having some issues with how my family was reacting. Getting pregnant by somebody else that's not the husband. What typically happens at that point in a marriage? It's over. And so she's living here, he's living there, and Mark calls in. What back then would you even possibly say? Well, you can go to the scripture. They made a covenant with God, not just an agreement with each other. Mm -hmm. Then the other instruction about the word forgiveness, and sin is sin. One sin's not different than another sin. Mm, Um, That's important. You can teach them how to communicate because the person who did the adultery can admit to it. It helps the other person. The other person has validation around that the other person is admitting what they did. So really it depends on their hearts, a willingness to be committed to the marriage, a willingness to live God's way by faith. Had she been doing that? No. Let's find out what's happened here. We're obviously together still. We never divorced. Our marriage is so much better now than it has ever been. We just celebrated our seventh anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Wonderful. Lisa, six months old. Yep, the cutest little boy on the face of the earth. Wow. So, Mark, God has given you the grace to accept this child. What has helped the two of you the most over this past year? Knowing how faithful God is in the midst of our unfaithfulness. Hmm. Lisa and I had both done things wrong. Lisa had the affair. Before we had separated, I had had periods where I would be abusive. So we both had our shortcomings. Hmm. 
A year before we separated, I totally said that I would never divorce her. Mm-hmm. And she asked me, so no matter what I do or how bad I get, you won't divorce me, you'll never leave me. And I said, well, if you continue on the way you're going, your heart will become so cold and so hard that you'll leave me. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like prophecy because about a year later, that's what happened. Even though I was the one who physically moved out of the house, she had left me for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. What really ministered to me during that time was 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's verse 15. Yeah. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. Mm-hmm. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So even though Lisa professed to be a believer, the actions aren't according to that. I think it's in James it says if you pray according to God's will, he will answer your prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I always prayed that our marriage would be reconciled, that he would just show us how and speak to Lisa's heart and just kind of grab a hold of her, and he did it. And mm. it was a pretty strong way of how it happened, and most people would see that as a curse, but the baby is such a blessing. That's wonderful. Lisa, let me ask you the same question. What was most helpful to you during this time? I knew Mark loved me, but... I realized that God loved me even more and that he had to come first in my relationship. Before we were separated, I always was looking at how I could change Mark. When it came down to it, I had to change. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I'm a very difficult person to get along with. And I think Mark is the only man on the face of the earth who could ever put up with me. I praise God every day that I have a husband like him. Well, there is a true intimacy with the Lord that you didn't have. Yeah, I never Uh, knew. I had heard people say, oh, God loves you, and I mm -hmm, knew that God mm -hmm. loved me. I knew that I could have joy, but I'd never experienced it. What do you do when somebody says, I know you're talking about God is love. I don't feel his love. A lot of people weren't treated with love, and so they don't even grasp love. A man said to me the other day, I never knew what love was until I met my wife, and she's the first person who ever loved me unconditionally, and I didn't understand it for the longest time. I I didn't believe it. And finally, he's come to accept that. Then he learned the love of God through that unconditional love. And by the way, I'm one who did not feel the love of God. I'm talking about after becoming a Christian. In my head, I knew it was true, but somehow I had a real hard time feeling any love. I didn't have a loving father. That was part of the problem. Well, she's saying she hadn't experienced any love before. She couldn't understand the love of God. She heard it in your head. You can say, well, okay, I'll accept that the Bible's true. But it's over and over and over. If at times you feel like you're failing, you feel like a failure, that all these other people are able to have this emotion, and you're not. Don't forget, salvation is not about feelings. It's about fact. What we need to do is take those facts that God gives us and review them over and over in our hearts. Let's listen to the rest of this call. It wasn't until Mark and I got back together and that I experienced this true joy, this relationship. God really does love me, period. No matter what I've done, 
I was raised in a church where I was told I could lose my salvation. Mm -hmm. But I know that I'm secure in my salvation. I don't have anything to worry about. God loves me. Nothing can snatch me out of God's hand. Well, what I remember so much was your difficulty in truly being able to trust the Lord. But there was a reason we discovered why, and it dealt with past abuse that you experienced. And for you to be able to face the pain of the past and realize back then it wasn't safe for you to give control because some would be abusive. And when you're a victim of childhood abuse, typically you become controlling because you don't ever want to be out of control again, right? And it wasn't just the sexual abuse. It was the abuse from other kids in school. I mean, kids can be just overly cruel. Yeah. And I never really looked at it that way. But it's true. I want to be in control. I'm I'm turning into my mother. (laughs) Well, the most wonderful thing you can do for yourself, the greatest gift you can give yourself is once you learn how to be truly dependent on the Lord. I did want to share with you, too, the key principle that many people never catch. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ I'm dying to my self-will so that Christ can live in me. Instead of me orchestrating everything about my life, I want him to be the orchestrator. Notice these words. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's truly an exchange life. You give your life to him, and he gives his life to you, and he changes you inside out. So that's where the victorious Christian life can be fully experienced. That's where the intimacy will come is when you are truly reliant on him. During that separation time, I went through some very intense Bible study uh, Mm. because I had so much time to myself. Mm. I chose to lean upon the Lord rather than trying to fill my time up with other things. Finding out what it means that God loves me, that is what strengthened me through the whole thing and enabled me to love and to forgive Lisa. And one thing that struck me was when we were talking about getting back together and Lisa was really broken, she said to me, I want what you have. Mm -hmm. She always knew that I loved her, but she could never really see the love of God through my life before. I couldn't understand how after I had lived my life the way I had Mm -hmm. the past year and a half, how my husband could take me back Mm -hmm. and forgive me. I was pregnant with another man's child and he loved me anyway. He loves this child anyway, and he's going to be a constant reminder of my actions. Mm -hmm. But rather than look at it that way, he's a blessing, and Mark's a wonderful daddy. What you're experiencing now, isn't that exactly what God does with all of us? He looks beyond our fault. He sees the need, and then he meets that need. We all need people like that in our lives who are willing to look beyond our fault and see our need. Even if human beings have failed us, the Lord will never fail you in that way. No matter how devastating the sin, no matter how off course we've been, He knew it before we were created. 
He has his arms open wide. That's the heart of the father in the story of the prodigal son. No matter the failure of the son, he has his arms wide open. And Jesus explains that the father runs to his child, runs to that son. That's what the heart of the heavenly father is. For you not to be consumed by your failure, but to respond to him. And he just takes you into his family and he nurtures you. He cares for you. He knows all about you anyway. And he can make you into the person he created you to be. Well, what a testimony of God's amazing grace. And it's a grace that's available to all of us. Coming up, June talks about the ways our thinking can trap us in a cycle of failure. Much of what June's sharing today comes from her Keys for Living called Success Through Failure. And you can find those at hopefortheheart.org. Right now, let's get back with this insight into faulty mindsets and how adopting a healthy mindset can guide you to better days. I'd like for us to consider some of these rungs of wrong thinking. Let me start with the faulty thinking test. It can help us evaluate, am I in any way misguided? Am I off course? For example, asking these questions. Do you think you must avoid the hurt that results in having failed? No, you can't always avoid hurt. Hurt cannot be avoided in life. It gives opportunity for mental, emotional, and spiritual growth. We learn from our failures. Do you think that taking chances, meaning you don't know exactly what the outcome is going to be, could lead to calamity? If you're controlled by that, realize that taking chances, doing things you haven't done before, can lead to opportunity. Do you think it's imperative to only do what's safe? Well, safety is secondary to following your heart, your heart for what God wants you to do, and satisfying your desire to grow and learn. There are many people who, because of failure, they are paralyzed. They're so afraid of failing again. There was someone here the other day, and she said, I'm afraid to succeed. I said, tell me why. And she said, I'm afraid of what the responsibility will mean, and that I can't do it. Sounds to me like there was some responsibility that was put onto her that she had to assume, and she got smashed. Why would somebody be so fearful? There's a reason for it. Well, sometimes we have to go, I don't want that to be my normal, because that's not normal. I need to be around healthy people. That helps. Positive people, not verbally or emotionally abusive people, or else you'll continue to absorb failure. If you've been treated always like you're a failure, even no matter what you do that's right, you don't believe compliments. I never believed it when people told me that they liked this or I did so-and-so well. I would think, you have to say that. Of course you're going to say that. We do need affirmation, and it's not an issue of pride. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up. So when you see somebody who's crushed over here, be sensitive and take time. And it may mean that you need to say it again and again and again and again. Because sometimes what's happened is somebody else has said bad words. There's been bad treatment for years. So for you to be a source of light and help and hope, wow, it could literally change somebody's life. Do you think it would be terrible if you made a wrong decision? This is what we call horribleizing. Everything's horrible. Just know every wrong decision can teach you something of value. And it can be a stepping stone to making right decisions. That's what you do. 
if, if you struggle with any of this, I would just read this over and over. Read, read the truths. You don't have to read even the, the questions. Just read the truths over and over because we're transformed by the renewing of the what? The mind. That's right. Do you think you must never make a mistake? I don't want to make a mistake, but who doesn't make mistakes? Do you think God will reject you or be angry with you if you fail? Depends on what you've been taught. What were you taught at home? I asked one person on our staff. And basically, she said three things. He's always looking for a way to get you. He's distant, real remote. I said, tell me about your uh, family life. What was it like growing up? My father was a pastor. I said, really? I said, well, what was your relationship really like with him? Oh, we were very distant. He always was taking care of other people, but never had time for us. And he was always hypercritical. I said, are you aware that you've described God in exactly the same way as your dad? Well, no. I wrote out the scriptures just to show who God is. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Three weeks later, we got together. I asked her if she'd been reading the scriptures, and she said, yes, every day. I said, that's the God of the Bible. That's the God I want you to know. And she humbled her heart and prayed to receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior here at our ministry. Praise God. Oh, she was so excited. Just know that our God is a God of compassion. The whole point is to give us salvation. In fact, the Bible says he wills that none should perish. It's his desire that none should perish, but that all come to repentance. Does that sound like a harsh, remote, uncaring God? No, not at all. So we have to look at the whole counsel of God. Do you think failure is an indication that you're stupid or weak? Failure is experienced by both the literate and the illiterate, the strong and the weak. Do you think others will think less of you if you fail at something? You're always going to have some critics, people who are misguided. But don't let fringe people determine who you are. Don't adopt their value system. If you more and more become Christ-like, there will be some who won't respond to you. And there will be others that will be so grateful to God for you because you're going to make a difference in their lives. Do you think it's a bad reflection on Jesus Christ when you fail? Hmm. I will tell you, there's no greater time for you to have a platform of ministry than when you fail. They're wanting to know, what are you going to do? Are you going to fall apart? Are you going to blame others? Are you going to go nuts? Are you going to admit it? What are you going to do? There's nothing so wonderful as seeing someone who is humble and contrite when they've been wrong and they genuinely say, will you please forgive me? Or I was wrong. I so regret not knowing what I needed to know or not doing what I should have done. That's what we all need to do ourselves. So that's why we respect it in others. Do you think failure is shameful and sinful? There is an issue of disobedience. If we literally disobey what God says, then it is sin. There are other times when we just fail. We don't meet the expectations that we have, or we don't meet the expectations that others have. Do you think you must plan every action so as to avoid loss, pain, or disgrace? <laughs> you can't control life that way. If you have that mindset, you're going to be controlled by the opinions of others. Was Jesus controlled by the opinions of others? No. Not at all. It's so interesting. Even Paul, the Apostle Paul, he had this huge pedigree. And he ends up saying, you know, 
I've learned that it's in my weakness I'm strong. Huh? Christ's power is made perfect in his weakness. So he says, so I'll boast in my weakness. I remember when I first read that, I was a new Christian. I thought, what? God would never want us to be weak. Tell me something. If you could do every single thing, if you could always do everything exactly right, be perfect, you would not need God. God did not make you where you could do everything perfectly. In fact, the whole key is for us to live dependently on Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, and I'll be the life source for you. As such, you will bear much fruit. The whole point is sometimes our thinking is misguided. And we know that even because we're told in Isaiah 55, my thoughts, meaning the Lord's thoughts, are not your thoughts. God is saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I don't think we are designed by God to have to figure every single thing out. The whole point is, let's make sure that what we do think is in concert with God's revealed will, what he has said in his word. We need to know the whole counsel of God. That's June Hunt, helping us to identify faulty mindsets and adopt a healthy mindset for future success. For more about changing your focus from failure to success, our Keys for Living series includes the topic of success through failure. And be sure to download our free quick reference guide as well. It's all found at hopefortheheart.org. Now, here's June again with a very special message. Hi, this is June again. Thank you for being with me for Hope for the Heart over the past 34 years. Soon we'll be launching a brand new podcast. The number of people who listen to podcasts is rapidly growing, so what a great time to share hope with even more people, helping them find God's truth for today's problems. Now you'll be able to hear us anytime, anywhere. To do this, we are transitioning away from this daytime program so, Friday, October 2nd, is our final broadcast. As we look forward to the podcast, you can get daily messages of hope on my Facebook page and our nighttime program, and I invite you to visit my new website, junehunt.org. That's junehunt.org. Remember, there are no hopeless situations, only those who have grown hopeless. Well, June, thank you for sharing that news about the new website. As this daytime program ends on October 2nd, we want you, our listeners, to know that June and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart will still be here. We're so grateful to our listening audience. 34 years, that's a long time for a radio broadcast, and your prayers and support have meant so much to us. Now, there are many ways to still listen to June, like her late-night radio program, Hope in the Night, and, of course, her new website that's coming online in October will be junehunt.org. This is in addition to the existing Hope for the Heart website. Another new area of ministry here at Hope for the Heart is our Lifeline to Hope caregiver training. Here's more about that. Caregivers come from different backgrounds, education, and experience, but they all have one thing in common, a desire to help those who are hurting. Lifeline to Hope is a brand new caregiver training offered by Hope for the Heart. This 10-week video-based program can help you deploy a small, effective group of caregivers in your church. Biblical caregivers who can help meet the needs of hurting people. 
connecting lives in crisis with a new or renewed life in Christ. This comprehensive training shows the biblical model for caregiving and includes sessions on effective listening, crisis intervention, family dynamics, having a ministry of presence, and more. Proverbs 11:14 reminds us that where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Discover more at lifelinetohope.org. lifelinetohope.org. You know, our mission here at Hope for the Heart is to share hope with more people and to help you share that hope as well. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Remember that there is hope no matter the circumstance. We have another program of hope for you tomorrow. So join us right here on Hope for the Heart.